0: In a recent conversation with one of you folks, we kind of broached the topic of fasting. My understanding of fasting is something that the Jews did that really doesn't have too much meaning for us. I don't think I've ever preached a sermon on fasting, whether as a full-time preacher or as a part-time preacher. This morning I asked in the adult Bible class, I said... How many of you have ever heard a lesson on fasting? Out of our, adult, out of our entire adult Bible class, two hands were raised. do want you to stop and think about the fact that we've got some saints in the adult Bible class that have been Christians 40, 50, some cases nearly 60 or more years. Never heard a sermon on fasting. That's interesting. I've never preached one. So I thought, well, maybe I ought to look into this a little bit. And so I thought, I need a little help with this, so I'll go to somebody who's actually been to school. So I contacted Brother Landon Rowell up in Ramona, and I said, Do you have a study guide or something I can look over, a good place to start, a good resource on fasting? And he said, I got something I'll send you. So he sent me three sermons on fasting, all with PowerPoints all with comments all with scripture references is like wow that's if you need a resource that's the guy to go to now <clears throat> I went over it and I took his and tore it apart and I'm I not, not just standing up here preaching somebody else's material I want you to understand that I have gone through this it is very scriptural of course it's Landon Rowell of course it's scriptural it's insightful it's intriguing and it's enlightening it couldn't have come at a better time As I told him, I said, I've got seven lessons due at the end of this week for the marriage retreat for Shoto. So to have something that I can study that's very pointed and focused and come up with a lesson and some of the footwork's already done is great. But here's what I want you to please do. No matter what you may or may not believe on this topic. Again, let me ask tonight, how many of you have ever heard a sermon... Or had a Bible class on fasting, raise your hands. Same ones as this morning, plus one. Three out of all of you that are here tonight. So, whatever you may think or have come to in your own, your own personal study, all I ask is this. No matter what you believe on the topic, take some notes, look at what the scripture says, and think about it. We talked this morning in the sermon about a wise man. A wise man is one who does what? Looks in the Word of God, explores it, tries to understand it better, always seeking knowledge. So I'm going to begin with Landon's notes. I'm going to read you some of his notes and then I'll add my own comments as we go. He said, Today we're going to begin a topic on the study of fasting. This particular subject is one that I have until now done little study on. Yet in the New Testament, now listen to this. Fasting is taught more than repentance and confession. Think about that. Jesus taught on fasting more than he taught on baptism. And more than the Lord's Supper. Does that surprise anybody just off the top of your head? I saw one person going... Think about that. Jesus taught more on fasting... Then baptism in the Lord's Supper. So Landon continues, as you can imagine, to my surprise, I realized I must preach on this subject. That does not mean I do so without hesitation for several reasons. First, this is a very emotional and volatile subject. Where's my electronics gone? Is that okay? This is a very emotional and volatile subject. Views usually go to all extremes on the subject of fasting. Secondly, it touches on a subject that is very important to everybody. Food. (laughs) Now, here's the thing I want to say as we start. This wasn't part of Landon's outline, but it goes with what we've been doing in the Sunday morning adult class. In a Sunday morning adult class for months, for months, we have been covering the book of Matthew. You will recall, for those of you who have been in that class, how redundant it has become for me to say... The apostles were thinking spirit, uh, physical, Jesus was talking spiritual. You remember that? They, they didn't remember the bread, and they thought he was upset because of the bread when he's talking about the leaven. They didn't understand, and he's, he's talking to them about the teaching of the Pharisees. And they've always got their minds on food, and Jesus is always trying to teach them something spiritual while they're always thinking about food. They're always putting in the physical, while Jesus is trying to teach them something spiritual. If you don't get anything else out of this introduction tonight, understand this every time we bring up fasting people want to joke about losing weight because of food food is a part of fasting but fasting is not about food fasting is about something spiritual if we're going to keep putting it just in the food realm and say well i'm you know it's just it's about food no no you're missing the point totally you're missing the point as much as the disciples that we're talking about in matthew fasting is not just about food food is an element that is involved with fasting but that's not the point of fasting the point of fasting is spiritual the point of fasting is your faith. the point of fasting as we're going to see is something much much deeper than just food get your mind out of just the physical we're talking about something spiritual Landon goes even though it involves food Landon goes on and says not only is the subject Of fasting, emotional and volatile at times, but it is also not traditionally taught. As I mentioned, I'm not sure I have ever preached a good complete study on the subject, and neither have most preachers. As I said, neither have I. According to Landon, one man found in his research there was not a single book published on fasting among our brethren from 1861 through 1954 think about that for 93 years when books were being published there was not one book amongst church of christ authors on the subject of fasting yet when we look at the scriptures it is full of teachings and people that fasted listen to this list and i don't believe it's all of them moses David, Elijah, Esther, Daniel, Nehemiah, Anna, Jesus, and Paul. And as we'll see when we get into the New Testament, there were churches that fasted too, that aren't in this list. A lot of impressive names in the Chronicles of God in the Bible that fasted. He continued, as I mentioned already, there are more teachings on fasting than repentance and confession. Jesus taught more on it than baptism in the Lord's Supper. So why has fasting become such a taboo subject to teach, though it is so often mentioned in the scriptures? First, fasting has developed a bad reputation due to the practices of the Middle East. Let me say right off the get-go here, fasting can be abused can be used in ways that the lord never intended for it to be used we'll see some of those as this study unfolds number two second reason that fasting has become such a taboo subject to teach many have concluded that this was a jewish custom and not necessary for us today i was one of those third Most of us have been convinced that if we don't eat three square meals every day, we'll die away and we'll wither away and die. (laughs) Good point. So, on the subject of fasting, we are going to have three different lessons. We're going to as well. Tonight is the first one. We're going to look at in these three lessons, fasting in the Old Testament, which will be tonight. Then we're going to look next Sunday morning at fasting in the New Testament. Then Sunday night, next week, we will talk about fasting for New Testament Christians today and how that all works. So we're building the foundation with these first two lessons. Tonight, as I said, we're going to talk about fasting in the Old Testament. We're not going to read all of these references, but some of them. There's only one time in the Old Testament... That fasting was actually commanded. There's only one time in the Old Testament when fasting was actually commanded in the Mosaic Law. That was on the Day of Atonement. Leviticus 16 29 through 30 says and it shall be a statute to you forever that in the seventh month on the 10th day of the month you shall afflict yourselves and shall do no work either the native or the stranger who sojourns among you for on this day shall atonement be made for you to cleanse you you shall be clean before the Lord from all your sins then he says this he says notice the word fasting is not found here however The term afflict yourself is synonymous with fasting. We see this in Psalm 69 and verse 10, where he says, When I wept and chastened my soul with fasting, or afflicted my soul with fasting, that became my reproach. We could also move forward to the New Testament to prove this same point. In, Luke, in Acts 27.9, it says, Now when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over, Paul advised them. Here in the book of Acts, Luke is referring to the Day of Atonement in context. When you look this up, he's talking about the fast. He's talking about the Day of Atonement. The only time that it was commanded by God in the Old Testament that they had to do it. Done in connection with the Day of Atonement. However, just because fasting was only commanded once in the Mosaic law, does not mean at all that that is the only time we saw people doing it. Does the Bible, the Bible commands us when we are together that we are to sing, right? Is that the only time in your Christian life that you sing is when the church is together? The idea here is yes, God commanded it once, but even though God commanded it for it to only be done in this one time, people understood what a special thing it was and they did it in a lot of different, very difficult situations throughout the Old Testament. For example, they fasted in war or with the threat of war. Please open to that passage. We're going to look at the ones that I've put in yellow. I put them in yellow specifically for us to turn to. Open up to the book of Judges and we will see proof of this. They fasted in war or with the threat of war. Israel against the Benjamites in Judges chapter 20. And I haven't marked my Bible either so we can get there all about the same time. Judges 20 in verse 26. Then all the children of Israel, that is all the people, Went up and came to the house of God and wept. They sat there before the Lord and they fasted that day until evening. And they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. So not only did all those individuals, those superstars, if it were, as it were, in the, you know, Word of God, these great and faithful individuals, not only did they fast, but God's people. In the congregations in the Old Testament sometimes fasted they fasted in war or with the threat of war as we see in that passage and again as we'll see in the New Testament churches fasted as well they fasted when loved ones were sick or died in times of deep personal sorrow and I couldn't help but think of that as I thought about the announcements tonight for example Nehemiah over Jerusalem. Turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 1, if you would please. Nehemiah chapter 1. They fasted when loved ones were sick or died or in times of deep personal sorrow. That's what fasting is is really focused in on. Nehemiah 1. The word chapter one verse one. The words of Nehemiah the son of Hekeliah, came to pass in the month of Shizleb in the twentieth year, as I was in Shushan the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came with men from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. They said to me, the survivors who were left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down and its gates are burned with fire. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. You think that was only about food? I think he said, oh, I ought to skip a meal, everything will be fine. It's not about food. Yes, he's abstaining from food and food is involved, but that's not the main purpose here. There's something much deeper and spiritual going on with his fasting. If you'd look David over his newborn son, turn to 2 Samuel, and you'll see where David himself fasted in a time of, of deep personal sorrow. 2 Samuel Chapter 12. It says there, beginning at verse 16. David therefore pleaded with God for the child and David fasted and went in and lay on all night on the ground. So the elders of his house arose and went to him to raise him up from the ground, but he would not, nor did he eat food with them. David is fasting. He's pleading with God. Then on the seventh day it came to pass that the child died, and the servants of David were afraid to tell him the child was dead, for they said, Indeed, while the child was alive, we spoke to him, and he wouldn't heed our voice. How can we tell him the child's dead? He may do some harm. If he wouldn't talk to us before, can you imagine what he's going to do now? When David saw that his servants were whispering, David perceived that the child was dead, and David said to his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He's dead. So David arose from the ground, washed and anointed himself, and changed his clothes. And he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he went to his own house, and when he requested, they set food before him and he ate. And his servants said to him, what is this that you have done? You fasted and wept for the child while he was alive, but when the child died, you arose and ate food. I mean, it didn't make any sense to them that, that he's fasting and he's moaning and, he, and he's in prayer. While the child is alive... But now the child's died, it's, he's, he's not doing that. What's, basically, they saying, what's the deal? And he said, while the child was alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, who can tell whether the Lord will be gracious to me and that the child may live? But now that he's dead, why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I'll go to him, but he shall not return to me. David knew that the fasting he was doing and the pleading with God at this point, the child was gone... And that further continuing down that road wasn't going to do him any good. He'd gotten his answer and and that was that. But again, it was a time of deep personal sorrow. And we could read, if you're taking notes, you know, take all of them, not just the yellow ones. But we could read 2 Samuel 1.12 where again, David, in time of deep personal sorrow, fasted over Saul and Jonathan. And there go the sirens again. That is not an exhaustive list. Okay, hold on. Okay, there we go. They fasted for God's forgiveness. Not just in times of deep personal sorrow. As far as those near them dying or sick or facing war. They also fasted for forgiveness. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 9. We'll begin there in verse 13 with Moses, the man of God, who fasted. Deuteronomy chapter 9, beginning in verse 13. Furthermore, the Lord spoke to me, saying, I have seen this people, and indeed they are stiff-necked people. Let me alone, that I may destroy them and blot out their name from under heaven, and I will make you a nation mightier and greater than they. So I turned and came down to the mountain, the mountain burned with fire, The two tablets of the covenant were in my two hands, and I looked, and behold, you had sinned against the Lord your God and made for yourselves a molded calf. You turned aside quickly from the way which the Lord had commanded you. Then I took the two tablets, drew them out of my two hands, and broke them before your eyes, and I fell down before the Lord as at the first. Forty days. And 40 nights, I neither ate bread nor drank water because of all your sin, which you committed in doing wickedly in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. For I was afraid of the anger and hot displeasure with which the Lord was angry with you to destroy you. But the Lord listened to me at that time also. Just a thought. Why did the Lord listen to Moses? I just want you to think about it. I suggest to you that the reason the Lord, one reason the Lord listened to Moses, was Moses serious about this prayer? Was he serious about how this sin, how do you know? Because he was willing to put aside everything physical and focus just on his prayers to God, focus on pouring his heart out to God. He was willing to put aside all things physical, including food, and just focus in from the depths of his very heart and soul in prayer to God. He was serious about this. Life and death serious. This wasn't a 30-second table prayer. This wasn't a 20-second opening or closing prayer. This was 40 days and nights of intense fasting and prayer and putting all else aside. And God heard that prayer because he was serious. Moses. We would also notice Ahab in 1 Kings two seventeen through 29 We would also notice from the book of Jonah, chapter 3, verses 4 through 10, Nineveh. People fasted for God's forgiveness. They fasted when their sins cut them to the heart or the sins of others. They fasted. They also fasted when they faced danger. Turn to me to 2 Chronicles 20. I'm only giving you one of most of these, even though there are more references. Again, if you're taking notes, and I hope you are. I hope you'll consider some of these. Later on as we build to this third and final lesson next Sunday night. Second Chronicles 20. They fasted when they faced grave danger. Second Chronicles twenty, beginning at verse one. It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria. And they are in Hazazon, Tamar, which is in Jedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and said himself, watch this. He feared, and he set himself to seek the Lord. There was one thing on his mind, one thing and only one thing. It was not food, it was not pleasure, it was not the physical accoutrements of life. He set himself, he devoted himself to seeking the Lord his God when he faced this overwhelming danger and he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. That's part of his seeking the Lord so sincerely. So Judah gathered together. To ask help from the Lord and from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Well, I, my, just my guess, it doesn't say that exactly, but he set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim to fast throughout all Judah. So when they came to seek the Lord, I'm guessing a whole bunch of them were fasting. That's what seeking the Lord was about. Let me ask us a question just to consider. They fasted when loved ones were sick or died in times of deep personal sorrow. They fasted for God's forgiveness when their sins cut them or the sins of others cut them. They fasted when they faced great danger. If we ever found ourselves in any of those situations? We face danger. Talking about, see, I realize that we're baptized for the forgiveness of our sins, but does sin ever trouble us and we just want to pour our hearts out to God about how sorry we are? Those sorts of things. These are all instances wherein they fasted. This is not an exhaustive list by any stretch, but gives you an idea. I want to move on to facts concerning fasting in the Old Testament. Number one, the purpose of fasting. To afflict or chasten the soul. Leviticus 23, 26-30, Psalm 69 and verse 10. To afflict or chasten the soul. Fasting is not about not filling our belly. Fasting is about focusing on afflicting our soul when we hurt. When we're in times of, of dire need and we're We're broken. It's about afflicting our soul and and pouring it all out there to God and being focused so focused on that that the physical doesn't matter. That's what we're talking about with the purpose of fasting. Leviticus 23, 26 through 30 and again, Psalm 69, 10. It was not meant to afflict the body. It wasn't meant as a weight loss program but to humble the soul. Turn with me in your Bibles to just this one verse. It's worth it. Psalm 35 and verse 13. Well, every verse is worth it, but typically when I have one verse, a lot of the time I'll just quote it, write it down, read it to you, but turn to this one. I want you to see it. Psalm 35 in verse 13. Give you time to get there. Psalm 35, verse 13. David says about his enemies, But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. Here's an instance where David is saying his clothing didn't matter. It was just sackcloth. Sackcloth and ashes. He was mourning. I humbled myself with fasting. That is key to understanding fasting. To humble ourselves totally before God. To just, just break ourselves and pour ourselves out there before God. Nothing physical matters. And my prayer would return to my own heart. Fasting is to humble yourself. It's to humble your soul. The nature of fasting, number two. The nature of fasting. Typically this was only abstaining from food, not water. Typically. Sometimes it was only certain foods. I'm not going to turn to this passage because of time, as was some of them, but that's why I said be prepared to take notes. If we were to go to Daniel chapter 10 verses 2 and 3, we'd see sometimes fasting was only certain foods. Fasting is not a total cutout of food and water for, you know, 100 years and everything goes. Fasting was, there were different times, instances, time frames, foods. Watch this. Sometimes it was only those certain foods. Sometimes, though, it was an absolute fast. This meant no food or water. Deuteronomy 9-9, which we just saw with Moses in 1 Kings 19, 5-8 with Elijah, in those two cases, it was an absolute fast. It was the whole thing. But those two made it through with God's help. The length of fasting, number three. This is interesting, because again, some people think, well, you know, I gotta fast for, you know, 40 days and 40 nights. No. No, it's it's kind you know how and I just thought of this, but it's sort of the same thing. You know how the New Testament tells us when it comes to giving, we, each one is to decide in their own heart what they are going to give between them and God. You know how it says that in Corinthians, that's how we, we don't tithe, there's not a one size fits all, it's not a tenth of everything, as each one has purposed in his own heart, so let him give for God loves a cheerful giver. Fasting is sort of that same thing as well. It depends on the moment and the situation and what you can and can't do and it, it's a personal thing. Fasting is a, is a deeply personal thing and there. are are different variations just like there are different people that put different amounts in the plate and maybe even the same person will put different amounts in each week so the length of fasting it's not a one-size-fits-all typically it was from sunrise to sunset typically we would notice that from Judges chapter 20 verse 26 and first Samuel 14 24 through 26 typically from sunrise to sunset but that wasn't the only one sometimes it was more than one day esther fasted for three days david fasted for seven we just read that account moses elijah and jesus we just referred to moses and elijah fasting for forty days now does that mean that queen esther's three-day fast was less than half as good as david's because he fasted for seven days was this a competition to see how many days they could get under their belt no no it was nothing like that her fast was just as spiritual and powerful as as david's was the warnings number four against fasting and there are warnings and we'll find there are warnings in the new testament there are warnings that go with fasting fasting can easily turn into an external show or a ceremonial ritual does the bible after talking about jesus washing the disciples feet in john 13 does jesus then say as i have loved you so also had you ought to love one another yes should we love one another enough to wash one another's feet yes however if we turn that into just a ceremonial ritual that we do down front and we go through it all the time and it loses its meaning and all we do is literally wash feet, it becomes nothing but a ceremony or a ritual. That's not what Jesus is talking about. What he's talking about is loving one another enough to get our hands dirty with one another, to serve one another, to humble ourselves with one another. That's what he's talking about. And it becomes nothing but a ritual. If we were to just line up on a pew and do it every time like some religions will quote certain prayers over and over and over it just becomes ritual fasting can turn into a ritual it can turn into an external show and i will tell you god does not want fasting to turn into a show he didn't want it in the old testament and if you read the sermon on the Mount in matthew 6 he sure didn't want it in the new testament but we'll get to that next week God vehemently condemns this type of fasting in the Old Testament. The type where it just turns into a show or a ritual that you go through and doesn't change you. Fasting is supposed to be a spiritual experience that humbles you, afflicts your soul, and changes you. Changes your relationship with God for the better. Allows you to get closer to Him. I want us to turn to Isaiah 58 in our, in our Bibles, please. Because I want you to see this. Because again, it becomes critical next week. Isaiah 58. Please turn there. We're going to have a fairly lengthy reading. Isaiah 58, pretty much the whole chapter talks about it, but I'm going to start in verse 3. Because these people had gone through a ceremonial ritual, they thought God ought to just, you know, bow down and take care of them. But the thing was, was that this fasting had become such an outward show, it did nothing to them inwardly. Isaiah 58, verse 3. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen? Why have we afflicted our souls and you take no notice? And again, we see this fasting and afflicting one's soul as being synonymous. They're saying to God, hey, we fasted. How come you ain't listening? How come you're not hearing us? In fact, in the day of your fast, and God's going to tell them why. In fact, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure. You explicit, you, I'm sorry, you exploit all your laborers. Indeed, you fast for strife and debate. And to strike with the fist of wickedness. You will not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. Is it a fast that I have chosen? A day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and spread out sackcloth and ashes? Would you call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? Is this not the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness. To undo the heavy burdens. To let the oppressed go free. And that you break every yoke. God says, is not the fast that I have chosen, verse 7, for you to share your bread with the hungry, and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out, when you see the naked, that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh. Then your light shall break forth like the morning, your healing shall spring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. You'll call then, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of your finger, and speaking wickedness, if you extend your soul to the hungry, satisfy the, satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall shine, shall dawn in the darkness, and your darkness shall be as the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually, and satisfy your soul in drought, and strengthen your bones, and you'll be like a watered garden, and like a spring of water, whose waters do not fail. Those from among you shall build the old waste places, and... You shall rise up the fountains of many generations. You'll be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable, and shall honor him, not doing your own ways, not finding your own pleasure, not speaking your own words, then you shall delight yourself in the Lord, and I'll cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth, And feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. These people complained because they had fasted and God hadn't listened. Verse 3. God responded by stating that instead of externally fasting, just simply going without food a while for others to see, He would rather that it humbled them and changed them into being the people He wanted them to be right along. He said to them, I'd rather have you get rid of the bondage of wickedness, let the oppressed go free, share your bread with the hungry, bring the poor into the house, cover the naked, etc. The reason, check this, the reason their fast was not accepted, the reason God says no, is because it was not done with a humble heart of repentance. Write this sentence down. Fasting without true repentance defeats the entire purpose of fasting fasting without true repentance defeats the entire purpose of fasting it's sort of like worship what did jesus get after the pharisees for in matthew 23 He said you tithe mint dill and cumin but you've neglected the weightier matters of the law love justice and mercy you come in here with your little checklist and you weigh out your little tithe and your little tenth and you throw it in the plate and then you go off and live the way you want to matthew 23 jesus said i'm not accepting that you're not living it you're just going through a ritual these people were fasting oh yeah they were keeping a ritual but then they were still going out and living the way they wanted to instead of the way god wanted fasting When Moses did it and David did it and others did it, when they heard and when their sins afflicted them and bothered them, it changed them. It was a deep spiritual experience to come before God and humble themselves. That's what fasting was about. Just some thoughts there. Hope you go home and study them, take a look at them. Next week we'll look at fasting in the New Testament and then next Sunday night fasting for the New Testament Christian. Most of us who are here tonight know God's plan of salvation. We understand that this is what it takes to be a New Testament Christian, to know the word, have faith in Jesus, to be willing to repent and turn to God, to confess him as Lord, to obey the gospel, and to live a faithful life. We know from the sermon this morning... That to be one who is considered wise by God, we need to be wise enough to consider God's word on all things. And so I hope you'll take this lesson tonight and just think about it as we build up, as I said. Tonight, if you have a need to do any of these things, to be baptized into Christ, you need the prayers of the church or to live a more faithful life, please come forward and make your needs known as we stand and sing.